Hi, I'm James. I'm Steven. I'm Terrence, and we are The, the Higher, Higher Life. Life, a show where we talk about careers in tech, professional development, entrepreneurship, and life outside 9-5. All right, welcome back to another episode of The Higher Life Podcast. It has been a minute since we've done one of these. It's been it a while. Has. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while, but... Uh, Today is going to be a timely topic. We will be discussing the outlook of staffing in 2024. Um, and before we get into that, we figure the good place to start is just to talk about the evolution of staffing, the history yep. of staffing in the Canadian industry specifically, and then you know get up to current state where we're at today, and then talk about our outlook for the future and where we think it's headed. Yeah, so how about um, I get started with a little bit of history. You know, we won't go too far back, maybe about 10, 15 years ago, uh, when about the time that we started um, in the staffing agency. And so with the staffing agency, it was really became an increasing demand when it came to the technology industry specifically. It just kept going more and more of increased demand, more money was spent and invested into technology companies. And so there was a bigger need to find technology professionals to be able to work on these initiatives and projects uh, for their companies. And they were having a hard time finding these people. And so that created a huge gap in the industry where there was a huge demand in technology professionals, but the inability yeah, supply to find, of resources exactly yeah. to find those individuals and that's where the advent of technology staffing agencies specifically became really really big in demand about 10 15 years ago to a point where there was a new agency being started in ontario for technology staffing i want to say like at least once a month it was just an insane amount. I don't know, when I first uh, started to apply for jobs, there was so many agencies hiring that I had, I think, six or seven interviews with different agencies. What about you guys? Well, you know what the thing was? I don't think it was a common... It was, it was not common knowledge that staffing agencies existed, too. That's true. Ago. That's true. Like, yep. when I joined, I think we spoke about it in the past... I didn't know what it was. Or at least, at least in Canada, I feel like yeah. staffing in Europe was always a big thing. Yeah. If you, if you look back in the history of manpower, for example, yeah, they're huge. They're huge. But they're they, huge. they, they didn't start off as a technology staffing company. It was just general staffing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then they, they blew up, and it became more of a global thing. But I feel like in Canada, 10, 15 years ago, it was still the wild, wild west in the industry where a lot of people didn't really know about staffing agencies it was, it was a niche the industry. model it was a niche industry it was just starting it was in its infancy where a lot of people knew that there was a lot of money to be made and there was a there was a demand for it there was a need for it in the industry and then people were just trying to figure it out and hiring a lot of people to try to figure it out with them yep yeah and one one big factor i think that also led to like a huge growth in the last 10 years that we've seen at least and happy to be a part of is um the macroeconomic factors of of the economy being in a bull run right? yeah yep. like yep. literally it's yep. been a bull yep. run for last 10 years and i think we spoke about it in our 20 last year's outlook i think where you know staffing agencies were laying off instead of hiring for the first time ever and and right. in mass layoffs because it's the first time anyone's ever seen a slowdown right like a jurassic yeah. slowdown so that that's I don't know I, I know every agency is trying to navigate that 
back then and also navigate it now. But that that has been the, one of the biggest shifts I think in the last ten years. That's true. The uh, the interest. Uh, rates are going up. Technology investments are going down genuinely. Uh, so it's really been a, a huge shift in the market of the demand of staffing agencies in the current state. Yeah, and not just tech specific, right? It's it's across the board where you're seeing these layoffs. Yep. So you know, front office, back office professionals that aren't in IT related roles, they're being impacted. And you know, when you don't have when you don't have companies hitting targets the way they used to and you know with the high cost of borrowing there's just there's just not that demand for talent anymore or at least not the way it was during the bull bull run like yeah. those yeah. 10 however many years it was and you know i think given the the way that things have gone staffing agencies have uh, definitely taken a hit and you know in 20, 2023 going to 2024 you know i i i just I, I guess this is a good segue. I just don't know if staffing agencies will still have that perceived value it mm. once did um, for many reasons, for many reasons. And, and for listeners um, that, that might not be up to, up to news with everything happening in Canada, there's, there's been a lot of spotlight brought into the staffing industry with the Arrive Can uh, app that yes. you know that came out during covid um you know it traditionally staffing has been i want to say an un not a totally unregulated space it's it, i think 10 years ago when we started there was less process less yes. regulations yeah. but now in 2023 with this whole thing happening at parliament there's been heightened sense of like just awareness brought to the industry and the need for regulation and more standardization around processes. Um, and I don't know how that flows down to the client level. And maybe James, you can talk about it at an enterprise level if you're seeing any trickle effects of that, or if, if you may be aware of anything to come down the pipe. But I see, I see either in 2024 or 2025, more rules and regulations coming into the staffing industry. Yeah, no, I agree. I think um, people are being more strict People are having more process, more regulation because the impacts that staffing agencies are having with enterprise or even organizations in general are becoming a little bit more risky. Um, and I think the bigger the company that are using staffing agencies, the more risk that they're going to have. And so you're going to see more regulation because they want to protect their organizations assets and kind of interests and so i think there's been a big shift in that perspective because not only with regards to risk but there's also more choice now because there's so many different agencies so a lot of companies can be a little bit more picky in regards to the choices that they make on who they want to partner with and so you know a perfect example is the 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 whole arrive cam you know, incident that happened, that happened to the government of Canada. So give some context to, to those that may not know what that, what happened. Like what is Arrive Can? Like what's, how are agencies involved? So I'll try my best to sum it up. Um, during the onset of COVID, the Canadian government made an investment into an app that would essentially allow people to track their COVID status. I guess you could say whether mm -hmm. or not you've been um, COVID vaccinated. vaccinated, COVID positive, negative, it would enable you to travel. That was sort of the concept and idea of it, right? But mm -hmm. then I, I think where the 
where the controversy or, or where it became a problem was after the fact when there was low adoption and the government looked at how much we they invest into the app it was like whoa we put what was it 50 something million over two years into yep. this app that didn't work who and then it, that sort of led everybody down rabbit hole it's like well who won this project yeah well to add to that i think they also some company in toronto um mimicked the app oh really that's how they found that. out that's why they even looked into it because they mimicked the app in a weekend and they were like yeah we how built much this it would app cost in a weekend. and how long it would yeah. take and then the government's like wait we just spent x amount of million on this and you're telling me it could have done in this much time by this company that mimicked the app and i think that's what opened pandora's box and then um yeah so it turns this point now there's you know there's kind of a a microscopic lens on the industry and yeah um how and how they operate and then when the headlines came out it was it was along the lines of how did how did we award a 50 something million dollar project to a two-person it staffing firm that has no development resources which really put a spotlight on the staffing industry and the staffing practice and it's still ongoing it's still ongoing i think as of what's today december 17th 16th something like that yeah mid-december they're still holding meetings in parliaments where they're pulling in stakeholders from both sides to figure out what processes were in place who made the decision what happened so it's it's i i mean it's going to have an impact on the industry because of this because i i I can see the result and the aftermath flowing down to the private sector exactly and so the the amount of scrutiny and the legal proceedings and just the negative impact that it had of this situation it really does make enterprise or even any organization a little bit more weary of using staff agencies and they're going to then you know look to the government to have even more process and more regulation to be able to prevent this not only at the government level but in the private sector as well and i think we're even seeing that happening now where i think in 2024 they're expecting all agencies to have a a license which costs how much does it cost it's a thousand dollars to apply and then they're requiring a 25k like letter of credit which is like pretty much you're putting a deposit down essentially yeah um and then they pushed that out because of this you know this agency isn't i mean this world isn't comprised of large agencies or enterprise companies some of these companies or agencies are ran by one person mom and pop shops um so yeah there's a lot of uh debate going on right now on as to like how it should be regulated because one thing you realize is governments people uh, i guess the government may not understand how the industry works and they just to what terrence said they just might think oh two people you know were responsible for billing 50 million dollars to the government it must be an easy job yep. um and i think we agree like that's one of the biggest misconceptions in the industry um, to those looking in, it may seem that way, but it's it isn't. <laughs> so let's let's double down on that. What is the value of a staffing agency? And like because of all these negative impressions and these negative impacts, why would a government or even an organization use a staffing agency now? So I mean, there, there's a couple things you could highlight. Maybe I'll, I'll just talk in general, and then I'll talk to this specific situation 
Um, you know, when you're in a crunchy deliver on a project, you want to reduce time to hire. Mm -hmm. You might not have access to the skill sets that you need for that project. In those instances, agencies might provide specialized recruitment skill sets that can bring those resources and assets to the table in a very short amount of time because they have access to the database of candidates, applicants that, that they've worked with over the years. They've, they've spent time, invested their time to build that network so that they can put them on these projects for you, right? And then the second piece is the quality and level of candidates that you get with staffing agencies. They're usually better, or at least they're supposed to be, because that's the agency's job, is to make sure that anytime you engage with them, they're, they're essentially streamlining the hiring process for you by preventing, pre-qualifying all these candidates that they're bringing to the table so that you and your HR team don't have to sift through 400 resumes to get through to that one candidate. That has an impact on the business, right? So traditionally speaking, high level, that's that's the value that an agency brings to the table. Now with IT specifically, it, it, it gets even narrower. IT, especially over the last 10 years, has been a very, very niche space. You've, you have your network niche players, you have your application infrastructure, you name it. You have agencies that specialize, you have agencies that kind of generalize, but at the end of the day, they still have those access to those niche resources that your organization most likely wouldn't. Just because they these candidates were in such high demand, chances were they weren't applying to your jobs because they were, I mean, they, they were the the i don't know the hot chick on the block i guess everybody was going after them they didn't have to put themselves out there right so you would leverage an agency to get access to these resources in short amount of time um and in this situation in context that's that's what it was it was uh, we, it, the government needed an app to get delivered in a very short amount of time to address a, a very big problem that the that the world was facing, um, and that's why they they engaged, or at least outside looking in. That's without without diving into specifics of that situation. That's why they would have engaged in yeah. a staffing firm to I deliver mean, on that project. Yeah, especially a time sensitive situation like COVID, right? Where, I mean, we all know a normal full time hire takes fastest like, two to two weeks at the quickest quickest, which is rare. Very, but on average, very it's, it's about a month. No, full time is like four average. on four months. I'm just saying average. average, average all regardless of um, skills. And IT, to your point, is probably higher, for example. Um, and what uh, in, in the contracting space, it can be as quick as literally 24 hours. Yeah. If, if, if the situation is right, like we've seen it, we've done it before, 24 hours, you can get a, someone to help you build an app, you know, literally um, tomorrow. <laughs> so, yeah, it's... Um, it, it's those are the reasons why people don't they don't see that value and i think another thing that they have to consider is that yeah the cost might sound high up front but when you're hiring full-time in canada at least there's a lot of regulations on how you hire for full-time employees and there's financial implications from an hr perspective because as a company you have to make contributions to like the pension fund employment insurance and all these jazz and when you're hiring for projects for example uh like six months or something hiring someone full-time for a six-month project may not be the most economically feasible um because what if the project's done there's no more additional work then then what do you do with that resource or hire right yeah. um, so that's also another consideration where why a company may choose an agency is because the app to, to handle the ebbs and flows ebbs and flows and i mean the niche requirements so for example, working on a government project, you, you need to have security 
clearance. Yep. Not yep. every candidate will have that. Or it takes a while to even get it. It takes a while. So, so do you have the luxury and time to wait for applicants with security clearance to apply? Or do you just go the staffing agency route and take that shortcut to, to get those resources, to get the project going? And, uh, you know, really, that's a lot of the, the value that these agencies and recruiters bring to the table. It's that it's experience in the industry, that access to network that you don't have. Um, and being able to help you kickstart that project in a very short amount of time. Um, I, I think where the, the, the economy is at right now, um, there's been a lot of scrutiny in this space. And I think a lot of it comes from the lack of knowledge, yeah. right? The lack of knowledge about what agencies do. Because, quote unquote, it's, it'd be nice if everyone had a job where they didn't need to do the work, but all they had to do was find someone to do the job. I, I think that it, that's a very unfair way to paint the industry. It, it's literally if you if take take that uh, take out agencies and just uh, think of that statement and apply that to HR, broad stroke. That's HR's function, Town Act, to go find people to do work that they're not going to do. Um, it's just agencies do it in very niche spaces. That's where you would engage, right? So I, I think right now the. It, especially going into 2024, where everybody is at is it's bridging that knowledge gap. And I think the, the result that comes from that will, I mean, it'll really show like how successful the industry was in, in, or is in, in bridging that gap because that $25,000 license, for example, that's a, that's a huge barrier to entry and it might put a lot of people out of business in the staffing world. It is, it is. And I think kind of outlook for 2024 it's the industry's getting more mature that's where i think we are we're at in terms of the industry like maturity stage right yep i think there will be rules and regulations but what i was trying to get to was let's say they bridge that gap and then at the highest level they understand okay there's this is what they do this is why companies would engage there's that value maybe they at that point they decide not to put that twenty five thousand dollar license in place or at least lower the cost of entry like twenty five thousand dollars just allocated to a license sitting there idle to do your job is i mean that that is that's wild yeah it's, it's a lot <laughs> and no, so just to summarize it sounds like traditionally speaking the value of agencies come from their expertise in whatever industry it is their access to a large network and their speed to hire yeah in comparison to you know any hr teams and teleacquisition, or even the hiring managers themselves. Is that a fair assessment? Yep. And so looking into the future, and even in 2024, with the advent of technology and artificial intelligence, being able to try to bridge that gap where the technology and AI will get more access to candidates, will be faster to hire, from an HR or organizational perspective, where does the shift in value that the staff agencies are going to have to adapt for the future to be able to kind of catch up to or bring more value than it already has at the moment? That's a really good question. I think, I mean, with the introduction of AI, it's going to make it a lot easier for everyone to find candidates. That's for sure. Levels out the playing field. Yeah. For yeah. everybody. Yeah. 
from the enterprise side to the staffing agency side. Um, because it levels out the playing field so much, I think there's going to be increased competition in the staffing world. It's, you're going to see more agencies pop up, I think, because of that, because it just becomes a lot easier to find candidates to compete. Before, like when we first started, what made us good was our, our ability to craft search strings, use Boolean search, use these tools effectively Understand to, to find the best candidates, Yeah. right? Our speed to market, like that was our competitive advantage because we understood the technology piece and how to, how to use these tools effectively to find people. Now AI streamlines that for everybody, right? making it easier for people to find candidates. I think agencies will start popping up left, right, center again. I agree. Especially with how many, how many recruiters are on the market. I think Talent Act has been impacted a lot over the last two years. Oh, yeah. Like cost center, right? So a lot of people, unfortunately, were, were let go. And a lot of them have decided to pursue entrepreneurship. So I, I think agencies are just going to pop up. And I think the tools are going to level, level out that side. But at the same time, I think there's still a place for agencies because it doesn't take away how they reduce time to hire. It doesn't take away from how they can help a company streamline its hiring process. Because you got to think of it from a candidate side too. If I'm a candidate now and I have these AI tools that can help me write a resume, mm -hmm. like who's to stop me from using that? Right? I think that's a trend too. That's going to increase, and, right? And now you're going to see an inflow yeah. of resumes to every job posting and, and from an HR, like enterprise perspective, you're still going to have that same problem where you're going to have an overflow of applicants that you need to screen through, not enough time to get through all of them. And you're going to want to, you're going to want to outsource some of that, especially when every resume you see is a generic AI resume. Yeah. You're going to need some help to help qualify the best candidates. Just get, get the right person in seat and get your, get, get your project started. Right, I, I I think there's still a place for it. I don't know if you guys feel any differently about it, but I think I agree with you that there is going to be an overflow of more applicants given the enhancement of all these AI tools. And I think you're also on the money when it comes to qualifying and assessment. That's going to be the biggest gap. It's like okay, now we got ten times more applicants. How do we qualify and how do we assess it quickly? Both from the organization standpoint, but also through an agency and how do we bring value in that area? And I think that's going to be the biggest focus because it's not going to be, oh, access to network. I think that value is going to be gone. That's gone. Yeah. And I think it's going to shift to, yeah. okay, how do I, using this huge access of network, really, really qualify and assess the best candidate? And that's going to be a question for everyone and whoever figures that out is going to be the one with the competitive advantage yeah what are your thoughts steve yeah no i think i agree with most of what you guys say um one thing i'd, I'd like to add is maybe just uh the fact that it's it's getting harder for agencies to do their job i feel like because of all these factors that you guys mentioned mm -hmm. but on the candidate side i think i think that's going to be the game changer to, to be frank you know, where keep in mind, roles are getting automated too. The skill sets that we're look that we're looking for in the next two to five years, it's going to change drastically. You know, the yeah. value of a Java developer, what it was five years ago, is not going to be the same value as it is moving forward. Um, yep. I think the industry also will have to relearn a bunch of new skill sets. You know, th this is like kind of a reset in the industry where it's 
It's a great reskilling it, into the AI it's a era. Res- yeah, it's a reskilling it of technical knowledge. Probably more processes or processes are going to become streamlined. The tools are level, like they're leveled now. Like it's it's table stakes to have LinkedIn, all these tools. Um, but I think because of the change in what companies are going to look for, I think that's going to it's going to not increase or decrease the demand for agencies, but at the same time, it's going to change the way agencies operate because it's it's such a big shift. That, at least that's what I, I think it's going to happen is, yeah, we're going to have to relearn a bunch of stuff and start from square one again. And what we know is it's going to become a little outdated, to be honest, right? Like, that, that like, is true. R- roles eventually, eventually, eventually. 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 So it's it's coming. I think a lot of change is going to happen in the next, next year. Uh, especially on the regulatory side. To be- I, th- I think you're right. I think it, to both your points, it is going to be the upskilling of AI from everybody um, in order to continue to bring value to whatever client that you have. And if you don't, if you aren't up to date and you aren't utilizing AI, uh, you're going to be so left behind the same way that the advent of the internet or the emails or, or the cell phones or touchscreen, like all these new innovations that happen, whoever was too stuck in the past and didn't adapt and innovate, they were left behind. You know, what's funny. Like uh, now I remember what I was going to say too. like, I, you know how, for the last 10 years, I think all candidates say the same thing. It's like, oh, it's going to go into a portal. It's going to get automatically screened by some software in the background. And then my profile is going to get rejected. You know what's funny? That's that's a myth. Like we, That hasn't changed in the last 10 years, but I think it's coming. It's that coming. is actually, so like all that talking of yeah. thinking that, that, that's what, that, that that's what's been happening in the background for the last 10 years. It's going to become yeah. true now. I only only now, to be I, honest. Like I it, agree. It was... It hasn't been around for the last 10 years. That's a fact. The technology wasn't there yet, but it's almost pretty much there now. It's, it's coming. So that's going to be a big shift too. It's like, so then that, that that goes back to the question of, do you need recruiters or agencies then? If one of the, one portion of the job, which is screening, is potentially eliminated with technology, um, I don't know. We don't know, but it's been talk of town for 10 years right like every agency even as a recruiter would be nice right to screen out candidates based on xyz and there hasn't been a dominant solution from a agency perspective wise well you'll see more of it on both sides once once everyone implements their ai tech stack and everyone's going to be doing it you're gonna you're gonna have this function inside your ats that recommends like the top 100 candidates you should be looking at out of the 400 applicants based on AI insights. Even top five. Even top five. And that's that's where you might end up spending your time like qualifying, um, screening, shortlisting, and you might not look at the other 300. So if, I don't know, if, if as a recruiter, your work gets a little more streamlined and you are a little bit more effective because of that, then you're right. I think as a company, you might not need a, you might not need a full team, you know, the, the way that you used to of recruiters doing that one job because now this one person is just that much more effective with AI and on the agency side same thing it's like maybe I don't need to outsource that many roles now to agencies because well my one recruiter is that good that good they can do it all that's supercharged with AI yeah and I think like that's going to be the reality of the situation it's going to be less like less people but it's going to be more efficient and effective individuals who do stay that are utilizing the technology. Do you think on the enterprise side, you'll see this 
change happen in 2024 do you think it's a gradual thing where it's going to be gradual see it over the next two three years i would say next two to five two to five five. so it's it it all depends on the organization everyone has a different level of change management and you know government's always the slowest to change uh startups are always the fastest so it'll go from startups to small companies to mid-level to enterprise uh and then eventually to the government I agree. I guess the last thing I'd, I'd love to kind of uh, talk about is maybe just what are some of the implications for candidates or job seekers in 2024 because of these potential changes that we are predicting? It's going to be easier for them to apply for jobs and get more interest, but then there's going to be even more heavy competition. So you can get an AI resume, you can get all these AI automated applications uh, through through different tools, but then you're still going to be competing with three times, maybe even 10 times more people. And so easier to apply and get interest, but then also heavier on the competition side. I agree with you on that. Like, it's going to be harder to differentiate. Oh, yeah. Back then, it was like, oh, you're Guidewire Salesforce. You're one of only 10 people in Canada that have it. It's it's great. It's like, oh, my God, you can do a job. Now it's like, it's hard. At least from viewing resumes on a recruitment side, it's it's hard to distinguish good and better, you know, because everyone looks good. Everyone looks good. (laughs) Everyone looks good these days, and the bar has risen, right? Like, like spelling is still a thing for a resume for example but it's not it's not every like that's drastically decreased with technology and editing tools and ai and all that jazz so now it's like how do you differentiate and videos you know videos are recently introduced into the ecosystem where people are submitting videos or you know linkedin even added the the voice record function to pronounce your name do you guys Mm, know what i'm talking about yeah like stuff like that is popping up um to differentiate i guess yeah perfect grammar on a resume no ma- it, it, it doesn't mean perfect grammar in person anymore because you could just have ChatGPT write your whole resume for you i will say one thing to be able to differentiate with the advent of all these technologies is going to have to deal with your brand your online brand specifically your content creation your the people that know you and the references that you have and so i think your digital online brand is going to be even more important to be able to differentiate yourself because if you have the exact same resume as 100 people but you don't even have a linkedin profile you don't even have an online portfolio you've never done any content creation you're going to be also left behind compared to the other candidates Good point. so when, when you say that do you think that employers will not just look at somebody's <coughs> excuse me resume and linkedin but do a google search to check oh it's already been happening socials it's, like across oh, the board yeah yeah, yeah. They, they go to a point where some um, organizations actually um, do social media checks where they check facebook they check twitter slash x they check for everything and they scan for keywords to be able to see whether it aligns with the organization's values. And so that's just going to increase. And if you don't have that online presence, it's not gonna look good for you to, uh, from, a, from an employer standpoint. 
From your experience and perspective as an HR leader, do you feel like that happens across the board or is that just something that a handful of really good recruiters do? I think it's uh, the latter, but it's increasing. Interesting. I think it's a small portion of, uh, of individuals that do these type of diligence, but it's going to increase because to everyone's point earlier, if you have you know, a hundred good resumes that all look the same. When am I, how am I going to differentiate? It's like, oh, well, this person's done a speaking engagement. This person's part of this community. This person's done this, this, and that on an extracurricular basis where this other candidate has done nothing. Interesting. I had a, I had a one last thought, but... It just slipped my mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have one. Like, is, is the resume dead in 2024? That's, uh, you know, we talk a lot about resumes and 400 resumes and stuff and increases in resumes, but is it is it dead? Not dead, but it's losing its value and it will eventually be dead. I agree. I think it will sunset eventually. Yes, but not Sooner or later, yet. but not, not in the next five years, I'd say. But it's losing its value. That's for sure. I remember what I wanted to say. Um, where do you guys see the job market going in 2024? What what sense? Demand, supply, or both? Because in, in Canada, in 2023, we we pulled back quite a bit. Yep. Actually, I think even it was it started at the tail end of 2022, if I'm remembering correctly. That's where all the mass layoffs really started to happen. I think. Yep. Tech was probably one of the first, and now in December, or at least the last quarter, I saw the banks, like just yeah, the financial, the financial sector. Like, do you guys see that bouncing back? Uh, Do you see the 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 talent uh, space being, I guess, uh, in terms of the supply side? Do you see that being as good as it? was over the last two years because as a recruiter i would imagine that it was probably pretty easy to find candidates over the last two years given how how many candidates were on the market definitely easier right yeah, definitely. does that change in 2024 i don't know what do you guys I think i think in the beginning it will there will be an oversupply of talent especially here in canada you know immigration still has been going up right jobs have not been growing at the speed of immigration um that's true but in the late later half of the year, when you know the interest rates drop, I think that's when demand will spike, slowly go up, uh, because interest rates will you know drive growth and all that jazz. And uh, after that, then it will balance out. But it's tough to say. In Canada, it's an interesting situation because you hear a lot of stories of how how people are having trouble finding a job, even though there's an oversupply, which which I guess does mean an oversupply of candidates and a lack of demand from employers. At the ground level, I hear at a lot of candidates level. say that they're having a hard time finding yeah. a job. So that's at the ground level. Yeah. But companies are hiring. I, we know that companies are hiring. So it's. I think the supply has been a, a lot more than it was before. The number of applicants in itself has probably doubled um, this past year compared to the year before. And so the supply is really heavy. And I think... For next year, it's going to shift with regards to what we were talking about before about upskilling and making sure that the the supply or the candidates 
have the necessary skills that are in demand for for the next I want I want to say next five years, and I still my money is still going to be on AI and generative AI and all these companies. So the people who are having a tough time looking for jobs, I would say if you are having a challenge right now, upskill yourself in AI, and that demand for AI. Hiring is going to continue on for the next, I want to say, five years. Oh yeah, that's at the infancy stages for sure. Yeah. Like, so there's going to be so much demand. So the, the demand for current technology needs, like we were saying before, like Java or you know regular type of application or infrastructure, it's it's not there right now. It's going that demand is going to shift towards AI, which it already has, and it's just going to continue to increase over the years. It'll be similar to.、Um When data science, the buzzword data science came out, yeah, you know what I mean, like、yeah. where there was a、uh, two, three,、uh, maybe even five years of intensive hire. Everyone wanted data, data engineers, science, data engineers, data scientists, and also blockchain, right? Like same thing. Blockchain. Like you got these buzzwords floating around, and boom, blockchain developers spike and increase in demand all of a sudden for for many years to come.、Uh, it's sizzled out now, but I think we're yeah we're turning the leaf for for AI. That's going to be、right? AI. We, we've always chatted about it a year ago. I think. Twenty twenty four is really going to double down. All companies should and probably will double、yeah. down a little bit more. I agree. I think that, I mean, that's going to be a company's competitive advantage is how quickly they can adopt AI into their strategy, implement it across the board,、um, and have that flow through to the rest of the organization how teams operate. Yeah, I guess it logically makes sense too. You know, you hired all these data scientists guys to get data, manipulate data. Now, what do you do with the data? Yeah. Right, use AI to yeah mess around, and now this is yeah. Every company has data. We all know that they've been building it for the last ten years, and now it's time to leverage that data. Agreed. So yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, it's a good way to wrap up our, our little chat and outlook on twenty twenty four in the recruitment job market space. And、uh, I guess we'll yeah we'll leave it at that for now, and stay tuned for the next one. Thanks for listening. <laughs>